of the Pittsburgh Nerd Podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Ian, and this is the only podcast that says. And welcome to America's favorite game. Is that gunfire or fireworks? <laughs> I'm your host, Sean. <laughs> yeah. And here playing for fantastic pri- <laughs> cash and prizes is Ian. Here's the victim, Ian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can your dog identify? Yeah. Oh, uh, hold on. Not the microphone. That's right. Okay, we're good. Um, yeah, you never know. No, you don't. You can't. Not anymore. It's, uh, it's that time of year, folks. Uh, for some reason, I've always had a dog that's scared to death. Yeah. And... It's a nightmare. Oh, I i mean... It is. Every year we do the same, same thing. Benadryl, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Ruth's metabolism so high. Yeah, she blows through that. Yeah. So it's like... It's very... This time of year is very painful. And I don't like loud noises either. I hate it. Yeah. I, I, I don't like being startled. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's just me. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't mind fireworks displays. Right, because you know it's coming. Yeah, I'm watching it, it's fine. Yeah. But the random M80. Yeah, you just sit on your... Dynamite. You just sit on your front porch at three in the afternoon, and all of a sudden there's just this gigantic boom within a 300-yard radius of you. That's the thing that kills me. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. You buy all these expensive fireworks... Because these aerials are expensive that they're buying. Oh, yeah. This shit ain't cheap. No. I mean, the big ones. Yeah. Right. And they're firing them off at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I don't I don't get it. You paid all that money for an aerial. Yeah. And... You're not getting the nah. show. Nah. Yeah. Nah, you're just getting a lot. Of so it's, it's annoying. All right, that's my rant. <sighs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I'm... I, I'm dealing with it too, and I'm just like, oh, I'm over it already. <laughs> and like the thing is, like, even when I was a kid, like having them on the Fourth of July made sense to me. You know what I mean? Like I was celebrating, you know, American Independence. Mm-hmm. That made sense. We're firing off fireworks. New Year's Eve kind of made sense to me. You know, you're yeah. supposed to ring in the New Year with a a big bang. You know, loud mm-hmm. noises. That made sense to me. Like, these, these guys who are setting them off on, like, you know, June 29th for, like, no fucking reason. Right. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's just like a test shot. I just want to make sure this works. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I find it very... And maybe I sound like an old man, but I just find it dangerous in a tight neighborhood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that all the homes are made of wood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Anyway. All right. So, you, you will hear booms in the background. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year. We're going to hear... I'm sure something will explode, you know, very nearby. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. What you been up to? Nothing. You know, just working. Yeah. Um, um, 
yeah, just working. Nothing much. Um, what was I watching the other night? Not, what is that called? The one with the whammy. <laughs> Press Your Luck? Yes. You were watching Press That's Your Luck? That's all it was on. Wow. That's rough. There wasn't anything on. In the hotel I was watching. Yeah. That, that, was, that was my evening in the hotel. At that point, I would just turn off the TV and, like, you know, find something to read on the internet. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there wasn't. There, there's got to be something on my phone that's got to be, like, you know, let me read about the, <laughs> the January 6th trial. <laughs> my grandma used to watch it, so I watched it. It was all right. Like, I remember watching it as a kid. Yeah. Like, I thought it was amazing as a kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, this is the greatest game show ever, you know? But, like, as an adult, like, I, you know, clearly Match Game was more my, my cup of tea. Right. So, yeah, I watched that. And I finished Stranger Things, which you did not. I did not, no. Whew. That good? No, oh, yeah. Sad. Yeah. But good. Yeah. And, uh, watch that. Oh, I watched this, um, Red 11. Okay. It came up on, um, I don't know what I was watching. I think Prime. Yeah. And it came up as a movie on Prime and it had Roger, Ro- uh, Robert Rodriguez on it. Okay. And I was like, hmm, I never saw this. Yeah. And I like Robert yeah, well, as as do I. I'm a big Robert Rodriguez fan. Well, is he like a producer on this? No, he directed it. And so the he directed funny thing, it. Well, I haven't heard of it. Correct. Okay. And yes, and that's what I said. And his sons helped him do it. Okay. And so, I mean, it got a two point six on Letterboard, sixty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Which is not bad. No. And a four point eight out of ten on IMDb. Right. This movie cost $7,000 to make. Okay. Uh, there's also a documentary. I didn't watch it. I'll have to find it. Behind-the-scenes footage on how he filmed it. Right. And I think he was just trying to let people know that they can make a movie on a low budget. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. And like, like the, the teach them how to do it. The Kevin Smith way of making a movie is still available to you. Yes. Um and I, plus, I know, I, I mean, I know it, it's, it's tough because like, I think it, he built his own studio in San Antonio. Yeah. Or Austin. I think he's out of Austin. Mm-hmm. Wherever it is he's out of. But I, I know like he built his own studio. Like, that's where he filmed. Um, uh, not Mariachi. No, not Mariachi. But um, uh, the. From I, I want to say Dark City, but I know that's. I uh-huh. The one with Frank Miller. I, oh, I can't believe I can't think of the name of it. Something City. Not Sin City. Sin City, yeah. He filmed Sin City there. And, um, like, the the Spy Kids movies and uh, yeah. Sharp Boy, Lava Girl. Like, all that type of stuff. That He filmed that there. I think he did the, filmed the Predator movie there, too. Yeah. So, like, he's done, like, he has his, his a nice, like, studio system with green screens and all this stuff. And... Like he does it all himself. Yeah. So, but I, I think it'd still be interesting to see like how he would. I think even that. I mean, he still has to you know add cost and like well, this is what it would cost to rent this. Right. I'm running and it like, for my company or whatever. With him, I mean, it was just you know 
I'm going to prove that you can do this. My sons are going to help me. Yeah. He wrote it, directed it, edited it. Yeah. All that crap with the yeah. help of his family. And um, I was pretty impressed with it. Like, yeah. It's a little bit above a B movie. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it takes, and it's supposedly based on, like, when he went into. The movie is about a kid that owes $7,000. Yeah. To some mob people. Right. And he goes into this research facility and they were going to pay him big time. But they said they were going to hurt him. They were going to cut him in all experimental yeah. trials and stuff like this. And it's loosely based. I mean, like, not it's not a true story at all. Right. But Rodriguez went into one of those facilities to get the money together to make El Mariachi. Right, yeah. Like I, he, like, donated plasma and platelets and all that shit. Like, he was doing all that stuff. Yeah. To work up the money for El Mariachi. Right, yeah. and so this movie is loosely based on right. that premise. But it takes a horror twist, I'm going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. And sci-fi twist. Yeah. So, uh, and the, you know, the, the, he definitely had his color. Yeah. How he shoots and stuff like that. But yeah. it was like one camera. You know, yeah. it was, it, I was just impressed by the fact that he did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and then put out a documentary. Explaining how he did it. Correct. So yeah. four filmmakers that right. make movies for with a low budget. That's what's awesome about it is like yeah. he he did like it's one thing just to do it, but it's another thing like I'm also going to document it so that I can show you how I did it, so that you can do it too. Yeah, he probably paid the people doing the documentary more, more than, than, than the yeah. fucking film itself. The documentary costs more money than the fucking movie. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he had to pay those people. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. I liked it. Both his sons were in it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, they didn't star in it. They, they were sub roles. Right. Um, but I just found it fascinating. I, I don't know why. Yeah. I, mean, I like the premise. I like the whole story, concept behind the story. Right. The story is really good. Right. <laughs> um, like, do you wish he had taken the story and did it with like a $5 million budget nope. instead? Like, yeah. like the $7,000, like, oh, this is perfect for, like, yeah. So, I mean, because he, he did that. Like, he took El Mariachi, and then he remade it as, um, which one? The second movie with ben, Banderas. Yeah, I know. I yeah. Know God, my memory's shit today. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad he didn't do it. Yeah. I'm, like, perfectly fine that he didn't do it. Because yeah. this movie wasn't meant to be a $10 million, $15, right. $20 million movie. Right. just wasn't. It yeah. didn't have to be. When you, If you watch it, you'll see yeah. why it's not needed. Right. And the story is actually really good. Yeah. It is. It makes sense. Like, I understand this. Yeah. And it twists, you know. So, yeah, I liked it. So, I, I did watch that. I just watched that today. Along with Stranger Things. We, I watched it last night, and then we woke up this morning and watched the rest of it. Nice. Because it was just, it was, uh, yeah. Stranger Things was brutal. Yeah, for me. But um, so we did that, and uh, I don't think I watched anything else except Strange New Worlds. That was it. Yeah. I wa- I got caught up on Strange New Worlds. I watched last week's episode, and then I watched this week's episode. Mm-hmm. I liked last week's episode. I thought, like, I thought it was going to be like, and it was in a way. It was like those typical, like, next gen shenanigans where, like, you know, 
here's this entity. Yeah, yeah. You know that, you know this all-knowing entity, and the, you know this is what it's doing, and like, but they did it really well. Mm. And I think what was important was like the, the the wrapping up of the story for Doctor Umgaga, mm. Umbaga, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like wrapping up that story with him and his daughter, which surprised me at that. It's like, yeah, we're wrapping this shit up now. Yeah. We're not playing around. And, uh, but also the carryover to the next episode, mm-hmm. where like it, it wouldn't have had that carryover, like in those other series, like the, the original series or the next generation. Like his emotions about his daughter are still very raw. Right. And like he has that moment where he's like, you know, please step away from my daughter, not my, my patient. You know, you yeah. know, like he catches himself because yeah. he sees his daughter in this little girl. And I thought that was <laughs> like a nice touch. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, that's that this week's episode was like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Episodes are good, man. Yeah. This show is a good show. What pisses me off about it, though, is not the show, but I'll pull up Paramount. Yeah. And I can't ever find it. <laughs> that is weird. Like, I'll pull it up on my TV, and they'll yeah. have Picard, they'll have Star Trek. Four, three, seven, one million and a half. You know what I mean? I'll go through all the titles, and I cannot find it. So I have to go back out and do a search for it. Right. To get it. And I'm like, you know, you're flagship in this show, and it's not even on your main screen. That's weird, because for me, it is on my main page. Yeah. Like, when I I turn on Paramount Plus, like, it's it's either in the slide at the top, or, like, it'll, like, be, like, continue watching. Yeah. And it'll make the next episode of Strange New Worlds is ready for you. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, it's like weird. That's weird how that works for you. Yeah. I, it does not come up. I have to actually go and try to find it. Then I have to back out, go home on Prime, and then yeah. search it. And then it says, oh, you want to watch it on Paramount. Yes. Yeah. I was already in Paramount, and I couldn't find it on Paramount. Yeah. It has every Star Trek thing known to man except Strange New Worlds. That's weird. That's very weird, because it's like I said, for me, it's like yeah. right there. Every single time I go yeah. to watch it, I'm, it dumbfounds me. Yeah. It's annoying. Yeah. I've become lazy. I don't want to search anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't want to... I want to press a button and it'd be there. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, so that happened. And, um... But I like the show. It's 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 a great show. Yeah. I, I tell you what, though, and I'm not going to say anything about it. I know I keep going back to it, but Stranger Things knocked it out of the fucking park. Yeah. I mean, that is just such a well-done show. Yeah. <laughs> I can't... I mean... Stumble along season two, but season three was fantastic, and season four has been, at least so far for me, just been just as fantastic. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it was, and it, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just brutal. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. And the music's done so well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just watch it, please. Yeah, well, I, I have to talk about it. I, I, it's I, like uh, therapy. 
I need it's going to be therapy. Yeah, I'm going to try to watch it tomorrow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's almost like I have to have a therapist for it. Yeah. I mean, it's that up and down. Yeah. Because I got that. I still haven't watched Umbrella Academy. I want to watch that. Yeah. You know, it's like driving me nuts that I haven't watched it. Because it looks so fucking good this season. Like, even like some of the extended clips I've I've seen online. I'm like, oh man, I got to Like, you know, the Footloose dance sequence. Like, I just saw a bit of it. I'm like, oh, I got to watch this. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. There's so many good scenes in yeah. the show. I think I'm on episode three or four. Yeah. I can't remember. But yeah. it's... I had to, like, readjust myself when I started watching it, though. I'm like, what happened again? Like, where are we? Yeah. Why are these... They're not... You know. Yeah. So, I've got, I've got that still... I'm two episodes behind on The Boys, which, like, bums me out, and I'm trying to get caught up with that. Mm -hmm. And it's like... And you started watching For All Mankind. Oh. Three three or four episodes in. Yeah. I am. Not second. Two, three. Then it cut out. Yeah. Man, is that a good show, dude? Like, you you texted me Saturday night, like... Yeah. I guess you had problems logging in... Cause I fixed it for you. I got yeah, you logged yeah. in with mine. But like you were like, hey man, uh, can I have that Apple TV? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's science fiction. I love space movies, period. Right. I, I love space race type stuff. Not right. just space race, but just space, period. Yeah. Especially the fundamentals, foundations, the right stuff. Yeah. Armageddon. I mean, you name yeah. it. Anything yeah. that has to do with space and going up, I find fascinating. Right. <clears throat> so I, this sounded like way up my alley, right? And it's a period piece, and mm-hmm. it's it, it's like a great what if, yeah. You know, it is, and like the way the first episode opens up with like you're like, oh yeah, I've seen this. No, I haven't. <laughs> I have not seen this before. <laughs> what the hell? It's just done really well. Yeah, uh, the sound clips and the voiceovers and whatever yeah. they've done. Uh, to capture, you know, Nixon and stuff like that. Yeah. They've really done very well. Yeah. References to Neil Armstrong and stuff like that. Right. And those guys and Apollo, all the Apollos. Yeah. All that stuff is, like, really good. And then the sub-story is pretty good with the female character, too, that I'm liking. Yeah. That getting into the guy's room. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I find that very interesting. You know, cosmonaut on space. Yeah. Female cosmonaut. You know what I mean? Like, all that stuff is just, it's really good. Yeah. So, I'm excited. I'm excited to see, um, see where it goes. Yeah. I don't know what season you're on, but I'm only on the first. I'm in season, I, I thought all the first three seasons were done. I was wrong. They're in the middle of the third season right now, so I'm all caught up. Oh, you are? So, like, they release new episodes on Friday. So What year are we in now? 1996, I think. Oh. And does, does the char- do the characters follow through? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are characters that follow through, and, like, a new generation is coming up. Yeah, yeah. And I just know. wanted to make sure those characters yeah. keep going for as long as they, you know. Can. Yeah. Yeah, there are some of the, some of the characters do, some don't. Yeah. But I mean, it's 
it's a really well done show. Like, I like the second season a lot, and I'm enjoying the shit out of the third season. Mm. And like, it raises like it's interesting because like it raises questions, especially like here in the third, especially now in the third season, mm-hmm. where they're raising questions that like I are more. It's almost like they've they've taken the '90s and put it in the 2020s. Okay. Because, but they do they're doing that because because the space race has continued on. Mm. Technology's evolved faster. Okay. Okay, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's like this deal of like, okay, so like maybe something that didn't come along until like the 2000s, it probably would have been discovered. In the late 80s or early 90s. Right. And it become a, a thing at that point. Because of the push of technology through space exploration. Right. And it's kind of neat now because we're kinda, we kind of hit... We're hitting on a space thing now, currently. Right. Um, so it kind of falls in line a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Not, not falls in line, but just kind of bringing that magic back. Yeah. Because I'll be damned if I didn't sit there and watch... SpaceX stuff happening. Oh yeah, I just found it fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> you know. What yeah. yeah, yeah. Like in like it, it, but like in I, I hate to like spoil it, but like season three gets into like the commercialization of space. Oh sure, I'm sure it does. You know, because again of the way technology is advanced. Yeah. So like, it's it's a very interesting show if you have Apple Plus or Apple TV, whatever it's called now. Um. You, you, you should be watching a show. I can't even believe we don't have a space station on the moon, to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, now, right now. Yeah. I don't understand why we don't. I, I just, you know, I just, I don't know. It's almost like they're waiting for something. I, I don't know what it is. Not that I really, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like we should be exploring. <laughs> No, you're right. Yeah. You're at, you're absolutely right. And I mean, but it's that thing of like, and it's funny because like, again, this is a, a question the show answers, but like, from a gov- like, how do you, how do you justify that from a governmental standpoint? Yeah. Like, especially like right now, like with everything that's going on with the way inflation is, with the way the cost of everything is, with the supply chain issues, with everything that's going on, how could you justify Taking five billion dollars and putting it into a Mars program, right? From a governmental standpoint, you can't. Private. Exactly. And for, it, that's what today is. Mm-hmm. But you're going to see how they answer that question on this show. You're going to think, well, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's stuff like that that it's it's like it's a, it's a it's a very good show I, I I can't recommend it enough if you are a science fiction fan if you are a NASA fan if you're like if you're a, a, a fan of like the spa- like space in in modern times like not so much like Star Trek and stuff like that but like what space is now and what it should be yeah yeah this is the show for you yeah it's a good show yeah yeah so yeah that's that was pretty much my week watching stuff, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I watched. 
I did. I did watch on, on a wrestling that there was a a pay per view on Sunday. It was a it was an interesting one because it was AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. They mm-hmm. did a combined show. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Like, I guess somebody who's like come back into wrestling, like you know, in the past three, four years. Like I, I was never like somebody who like watched the Japanese stuff, mm. and I'm still not. Only because it's like, well, how much money do you want to spend on this? Number one, and number two, like their pay per views are on at like, you know, two in the morning. Sure, is when they start. Like, who wants to wake up at that ungodly hour to watch a pay per view? You know. I'm going to bed at two, not waking up at two. So I try, like, I try to keep track of it, like on like online, and like some of the wrestlers I knew, and some guys I'm like I have no clue who this is. But so it was interesting to see, like those wrestlers come over and perform in front of an American crowd. Yeah, yeah. And this is the type of crowd. This isn't a WWE crowd where they have no fucking clue. This is a, a pro wrestling crowd that like. They watch as much as they can of like everything else but WWE. Okay. So, like, they knew who a lot of these Japanese wrestlers were. Were like even guys who like like Will Ospreay, who's from England but performs in New Japan, or uh, Switchblade Jay White, who's from Australia but performs in New Japan. Like, um, they know who they were, and like, and some of them have like a reputation. Like Will Ospreay has a reputation as one of the best ever. Yeah. And he had a match with a guy named Orange Cassidy. From AEW. They had one of the best matches I've ever seen. It rivals Flair Steamboat 89. Really? Like, it was like, I, I'm watching this match, and I'm like, this is this is what pro wrestling should be. Yeah. It's, it, it was that fucking good. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. At, like, and, like, Orange Cassidy's a guy, like, if you if you know, like, he can go. like he, But his, his whole shtick is, like, he's, like, lazy. Mm-hmm. He comes to the ring, he puts his hands in his pockets, he's got his sunglasses on, you know. He he kicks you, it's like a little, eh. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's, and then like all of a sudden something, he'll turn on a switch and he'll go. Mm-hmm. And you, he'll hit a couple of big moves and, you know, you're like, oh wow, guy can go. This was like, there was a little bit of like the, the, late, the, the character, but the rest of it was like, <laughs> these guys went for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was very impressed with it. It's if if anything, I would encourage you to look up Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay. Mm. Just that match alone was uh, just fantastic. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. How were the rest? Was the rest of it really good? Yeah, the rest was really good. Like there was there was some really good matches. Um, like there was one match. Uh, and if you if you know anything about pro wrestling, especially from Japan, like you know who the Bullet Club is. Mm. So it was like the Young Bucks reformed with the Bullet Club <laughs> for one night only against Sting, Darby Allen, and uh, a Japanese man I didn't know. Mm. Uh, that was really a really good match. Um, the the first match of the night with Jericho, Sammy Guevara, uh, the, and uh, Minoru Suzuki, who again he's like a legendary guy been around for like 25 30 years uh-huh. like i remember reading about him in the 90s oh well. you know um so that was a really a really good match that they had 
there, there, there were a number of good matches. It, it was worth the price that I paid for the pay-per-view. Like, I wasn't disappointed in it. But it, it was like a different style of pay-per-view than like a... Because they didn't have much time to build up to it. They only had one month to build, mm. really. And um, see, it was kind of like cobbled together a lot of it. But the, if you just like say like, okay, this is just a interpromotional pay-per-view just enjoy it for what it is the matches were fantastic oh that's cool you know it was it was entertaining pro wrestling right and that's what you want yeah and it's the thing that like drives me that's like I watch a WWE premium live event and you know first off you don't know what half the cards are on the match yeah like it's like oh by the way we're gonna throw this together for you mm-hmm. like and then it's like you get eight matches, and like in between each match is like ten minutes of like filler and bullshit. Where this was like bang, bang, bang. It was a five hour. Like if you if you include the buy in, it was five hours. Mm-hmm. But you got thirteen matches in those five hours, and they were all bangers. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So more back to what it should be, I guess. I noticed that on WWF too. Or- WWE that's like uh, there's a lot of filler and bullshit and I'm like I mean same old thing guy comes out in the middle of the ring talks for 10 minutes right gets into a little scuffle five guys come down yeah beat ass for three minutes and then it breaks up well what's even worse is like you know what I mean like it gets old like they, they had this one match and it was like it was a a six-woman tag match. So, they introduce the first woman, and she takes her like. And then at this point, they have twenty minutes before the end of the show. First woman comes down. They go to commercial. Yeah. So they're commercial for three minutes. So that woman's in the ring by herself for three minutes. They come back. They introduce the rest of the women and go to another commercial. And then when they, by the time they come back, they're ready to go. And by the time they're ready to go, you went from having 20 minutes available for this match to seven. Yeah. That's how long it took to do all their introductions for all the bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And for two commercials. Yeah. And now you're on the seven minutes. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Like, in a, like Raw is a three-hour program. And I'm getting 45 minutes of actual wrestling in a three-hour program. As compared to AEW Dynamite, which is a two-hour program, and I'm getting, like, an hour and 20 minutes of wrestling. Right, right. You know, you're giving me almost double the amount in almost half the time. Right, right. You know, like, how does the fuck does that work out? Yeah, I don't know. So, but I I guess the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, like, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody because, like, especially if you're, you're not a fan of pro, like... If you're a WWE fan, and you're like, oh, fuck AEW, I get that. But watch Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay. That match by itself, if like, if, if it doesn't blow you away, then you are just a WWE drone that just likes that style. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But you're missing out <laughs> on some amazing athletes and some amazing professional wrestling mm. like if you enjoy that type of if you if you're like me a little bit more open-minded enjoy a more freestyle 
All right. You know. All right. So. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, last week we talked about Top Gun, mm-hmm. and we were talking about, you know, how amazing that was and mm-hmm. everything. Apparently, at one point, the director of, of Top Gun Maverick was attached to do a Black Hole remake. Oh, wow. Yeah. With Cruise. Well, they didn't say anything about Tom Cruise. But they were talking about um, Joseph um, Kaczynski. He was was talking about, like, how he he got attached to do a remake of The Black Hole. Okay. And it was something he was very... This this was pre-Disney buying Star Wars, I believe. Okay. And um, but he said the idea is that he he ended up getting ended up getting stopped because the ideas he had were too close to that of Interstellar. Yeah. Like Interstellar came out and what they dealt with with black holes and everything else was too close to what they were writing, and Disney stopped the project. Okay. and that kind of sucks. Yeah, like. Is that there was no way for us to know just how similar Kaczynski's take on the black hole was to Interstellar. There was already a noticeable similarity just in the basic plot element. The black hole deals with, you guessed it, black holes, and Interstellar deals with wormholes. Wormholes connect two points in time and space, while black holes end in a singularity from which nothing can escape, but the exploration plot of the two just seemed a bit too close for Disney's comfort. I still feel like the movie is one of the most unique and di- that Disney's ever made. The original, I mean, it's wild. The idea of a journey to a black hole is still one of the things that is very intriguing because it's not science fiction. So, but... So I, I wonder, like, okay, like... Was it just the, the, the fact that Interstellar was like, you know, we're dealing with wormholes and, you know, that's too close. We, you know... I mean... Companies have made asteroid movies back to back. They've made, yeah. you know, dis- all sorts of disaster movies like they have come out in the same year. Oh, you know, yeah. Volcano movies, tornado movies, and meteor movies, Deep meteor Impact movie, yeah. and whatever. And, you know, yeah. Armageddon. So, like, I mean, the, like the, the 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 race of like, hey, we each have this idea for a specific type of disaster movie. Like, so that that shouldn't bother you. So like was it, like how was the was it the similarity in the story of how you were using the black hole like so like were they like not like being true to the original movie at all like the basic storyline of the movie and like doing something completely different but calling it the black hole yeah yeah or was it like yeah uh, you know Interstellar's kind of ruined this for us we're gonna shit can this yeah I don't, yeah I don't get that either yeah. They should have just made it. It's Disney for fuck's sake. Like, but I'd like to see like a reimagining of that original story. Yeah. Is the key. Yeah. Like to me, like, like that that that's the real like 
I like that story enough. I, I, I fixed the ending. I you know, I don't need to see that ending again. <laughs> but I like to see like that story kind of retold and reimagined. But the basic plot elements remain the same. Yeah. You know, here's this derelict ship, this lost ship from many years ago, and the captain, you know, went insane and or whatever. Like, you know, like the, the basic elements of what that story was make sense and are a very good story. Yeah, yeah. Like, the ending is where you're like, oh, man, you fucking lost. You're like, are we in hell? <laughs> you know? Well, it was the other side of the black hole, right? I mean, like, you don't know what that was. I mean... I, I mean, for, I, bo- I, for both ships, though, because like I mean, you know, don't feel like you know the 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 good guys like they went into the black hole as well. They couldn't escape. Yeah, yeah. and like they had that moment where like you saw like the like a fucking angel, yeah, like a, yeah, the yeah. doors of heaven maybe, and they go through, and that's like the end of the fucking movie. Yeah, 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 yeah you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, so the day go to heaven and he went to hell. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, did this become like a biblical parable all of a sudden? <laughs> you know, like I don't like the ending is so fucking cra- that shit crazy. I love it, and I hate it at the same time. Yeah, because there's know, no really closure there. Right. Whereas, like, I'd like to see them, like, take, like, the basic, what the basic original story was, rework it a tad, update it a little bit. But at the end of the movie, you get a better ending than, you know. Yeah, than that. Man and machine being merged into one as the minions of hell, you know, and the burning Isn't wreckage. Isn't weird? Oh, that's... No, but... Like, throughout the whole movie, the whole movie was actually... The movie was very suspenseful. Yeah. It had... It flowed really well. Yeah. The acting was good, of course. Yeah. And you didn't know what was next. And for the time period, the graphics were pretty good. The whole greenhouse thing and all that crap and the science fiction that had to deal with that. Yeah. The the whole duel and stuff like that. Badass, right? Yeah. made sense and the, the maniac taking over and turned them all to droids and the, yeah. the, the fucking yeah. people doing the computers it was just kind of a weird twilight zone type of thing like, and seeing the funeral yeah it was just it was, yeah. it was really good yeah and so you're, you go through this whole thing and Bob saves the day and all this crap yeah. and it's like fuck this is a great movie and all of a sudden it just gets woo yeah like uncomfortable yeah you know what I mean? Like, what were they trying to do? Like, I, like even I, the terrifying moment of like you know of Maximilian turning on the blades and ripping through the book oh, to, to get kill, the Perkins to get the Anthony Perkins. You're like, yeah. oh shit! Yeah, that really happened. Like, yeah. as, as a ten year old, it was, I was like, almost like a psycho shot. Yeah, it was almost oh. like a Hitchcock shot on it's, that whole scene. It's brilliantly done. Yeah, like without showing any blood, that is brilliantly done. Yeah, you know, but. Like so, like there's like, like all this amazing stuff that takes place, and you get to the end of that fucking movie, and you're like, "What the fuck? <laughs> Holy shit! Like, where did we go? Yeah, like we went way off the rails. Yeah. Now I, I I'm okay with the non, like, I'm okay with the artistic ending, and I'm okay with, but you got to give me some kind of ending. Like this was like. I don't know. Yeah, it was... It was crazy town. It was. It was fucking batshit crazy. It didn't hold anything. Like, it didn't... 
even hold up to the movie itself. It was like its own separate film. Completely. It, it was like some sort of like college student art film. <laughs> yeah. Or like they had like a really great budget. And a lot of drugs. <laughs> and a lot of drugs. Because I was like, holy shit. Like even as a kid, as a kid I'm watching that going, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Kids are crying. Yeah. I'm like, you know, and Pat Coon's like looking at me like, are you okay? I'm like, no. I don't know what I just saw. Can you explain this to me? He's like, no, not really. <laughs> you know? Nah, so, I was like, holy hell. So like, yeah, I'd like to see this redone. I'd like to see the story like re- rebooted a little bit, but I want a, a real ending to it. You yeah, know? but can they? Uh, can you reboot the black hole? I mean, like... I don't know. I think you can. I mean, the, for the time period, it was really good. But you throw in too much technology into it, it kind of scars it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I I, I don't know. That you got to remember that time period, though. We right. had the Black Hole, Star Wars, right? Yeah. Um, Battle Beyond the Stars. Yeah. Last Starfighter. Yeah. In, in Within a five-year range there, I think. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm betting in that pool. Um, Battlestar Galactica was on TV. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was science fiction in that time period. How do you bring it up to modern day without ruining it? I, I, I don't know. That's like... I don't know how you... I don't know how you do it tastefully. I, I don't know. I you do it. You understand like, what I mean? I like, think the story is the key. Yeah, but you don't want to take the same story and no, put, plug it you, into you, something you, else. You don't, you don't want to take the same story, but I want the, at least the plot elements to be there. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, again, like, you know, he, here's the, the derelict lost ship sitting on the edge of a black hole. You know, this is, you know, mankind is now out exploring space and this ship is found. Yeah. You know, um,. The the cap the, the the insane captain, who's obsessed with the hole, you know, there's a lot of. I'm sure Thad just took that a whole. Who was way. who was the captain? Was he the guy that? Pl- he wasn't the guy that did um, Fiddler on the Roof, was he? I I don't think so. Let me look that up. Anyway, yeah, I just don't know if you can successfully remake it. And with the amount of space stuff that's out now with Disney, I just don't see him doing it. <laughs> From, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that was Maximilian Schnell. Uh huh. What else was he in? <laughs> he was in Deep Impact. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, let me go back in his career. Yeah, early maybe. Er- well, earlier. Um. The Thornbirds, The Missing Years. Hmm. He's in a 1980 version of The Diary of Anne Frank. Oh, fun times. Yeah. 
Nothing. He was in the T. He was in the infamous 1968 version of Heidi. That maybe that's right. Because he that was the. Uh, it was a, the Jets and the Raiders. It's called the Heidi game, uh-huh. and it was like a nationally televised game, and NBC cut away from the game before it ended to to show Heidi. Wow! And people like went ape shit. I don't see anything about Fiddler on the Roof. No, no. Probably not. Yeah, doesn't look that way. Alright, that's fine. So yeah. I guess I'm going back to the Fantastic Four press. You know? Like, they tried doing this shit so many times and they got it wrong so many times on so many different levels. Right. On so many different directors and different producers and different actors. And, and like, I guess I worry... I mean, I think Fantastic Four set the precedent almost on bad... Not the precedent, but in modern day. Yeah. Um, bad reboots. We've tried to reboot it so many times, and it's just so bad. I just want the story to be there. But, you know, Disney doesn't put out a whole lot of stinkers. I, I, I think you're right from the standpoint of, I don't think Disney's going to do it, because I, I don't think Disney's at, at a point now where they, they're willing to take a gamble on something that's not, doesn't have Star Wars or Marvel attached to it. Right, I know. Like, I, I, I think, like, the day, like, when they did, like, the Witch Mountain movie with, with Dwayne Johnson, they, you know, and then they did Tron. I mean, this was all pre... Yeah, pre-Star Wars. Pre-Star Wars stuff. And I think they were trying to launch that science fiction wing. And then, you know, once they acquired Star Wars, they just said, well, we don't need that shit anymore. Right. You know. Right. Um... So I, I got I, that's the problem is like you know they're not willing to to roll the dice on something like that like even like you know with that with the air acquisition of 20th Century Fox like there's a movement to like get another Alita movie made oh really yeah and like it did well enough at the box office that like 20th Century Fox was contemplating it. Yeah. And then they got sold to Disney. And now it's in, and Disney's like, yeah, we're thinking about it. Which I'm taking as a, no, we're not going to do that. All right. Well, get the fuck out of here. That was a good movie. It, it was a very good movie. It deserves a sequel. Mm. You know, it was really well done. I like it. I, I, I know right now our good friend Stork is rolling his eyes. But it's a really fucking good movie. Right. You know, but Dis, I don't think Disney's willing to take a, a chance on something like that now. Because, for whatever reason, and, and this is where I will give Stork his, his, his due, science fiction movies outside of Star Wars and Star Trek don't do well. Yeah. They really don't. Hell, the, the Buzz Lightyear movie tanked. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Got outperformed by Top Gun and Elvis. Wow. I know, but I mean, like, it, it was like like week four or week week three of like Top Gun being out when they released the Buzz Lightyear movie. Yeah. And it it couldn't 
overtake Top Gun. And I, they were like, it like came in fourth yeah, its Top, opening weekend. Yeah, Top Gun was huge though. It was, it was huge. I mean, it's still going right. strong. And I mean, like, you know, and Elvis just came out last week, and Elvis at least tied Top Gun. Are the reviews good on Elvis? Yeah, Elvis, I heard it's very good. You know, I expect that less from Baz Lowerman. Well, yeah, he did make Australia. He did make Australia. <laughs> Everybody's a lot of one clunker. They came out after Mulan, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I don't think you can. You just can't live up to that movie. No matter what you put out, it was going to fail. Uh, probably a lot of people went to go see Australia. Yeah. Thinking. You know what I mean? Like, oh. I, like, when I don't... I have to look this up, right? Because, I mean... Let me look him up. Baz. Baz Lowerman. He has, like, a gap. He made I mean, The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Which I liked, actually. I liked it, too. I liked that a lot. Okay. It's like, because this is like the weird thing, I guess. Like, it's like, okay, so you make Strictly Ballroom in 1992. Crazy, right? Yeah. And that did well. And it's a very good movie. Yeah. Like, even I, like, I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching a fucking ballroom dancing movie, but he, he does it well. <laughs> and then he does the, the Romeo and Juliet movie in 96 with DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Ugh. And that is a really fucking good movie. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. And John Leguizamo in it, too. Yeah, John Leguizamo is in that as well. And then 2001 is Moulin Rouge. And then he, doesn't, he makes Australia in 2008. That's crazy, right? Like, he takes these, like, long... I don't know if it... Like, you know, from 2008, there's a bunch of, like, shorts that he does. But then from 2008... And then 2013 is when he does The Great Gatsby. Good movie. Yeah. So like, he, like, it's like very weird, like these long gaps that he takes between movies. What's coming up after Elvis? Is it saying anything? Um, upcoming projects. The Master and the Margarita. <laughs> no idea. All right. I think artistically, the guy's a genius. I, I think he sees things... <laughs> in the lens that nobody else sees. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it's kind of like, you know, Brian Wilson. Yeah. Brian Wilson sees music. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he sees and he gets frustrated. I've seen documentaries of him, like, working with other musicians and he's like, can't you fucking get this? Yeah. And it's like, no, I, I can't. I, I, I don't see it the way you do. Yeah. You know, but he sees music. Yeah. You know, and he's trying to interpret that as a sound mm -hmm. and trying to get you to do what he wants you to do to play it the way he's seeing it and hearing it in his head. Yeah. And it's hard to do. And I think Baz Lowerman has the, he can do that through the through the lens through the lens in a, in a way like I, I think like if you look at like in in particular 
like Moulin Rouge and Gatsby. Like the way those movies look, and I mean, people are like, oh, the modern soundtrack bullshit. Get past it. I'm sorry, just get past it. You yeah, know, yeah. because look he, how it's filmed. Because he he makes it work oh, in a, yeah. in a way that you forgive it. Yeah, I I still say to this day that for the modern soundtrack. The Roxanne scene is probably oh, one of the yeah. best things ever created on film. Tango de Roxanne is amazing. Like, taking I mean, it's that song not and just, working it into a tango like that. It's just not good. It it's, is genius. Yeah. And then the way he shoots it with the shadows and the way Ewan McGregor's walking. And then he chimes in, where yeah. does my heart? I mean, like... Oh, yeah. It is just... It is one of the best pieces... Of cinema that I've ever watched in my entire life. Yeah. Especially with the narration of him. Yeah. And the singing of the guy. Right. It was... Yeah, the the, 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 the guy with the deep throat... The it was rock sad. It and, was... You know, the tango was, taking place. Uncre- the way McGregor's walking, what's happening up in the suite. Like, the way everything's shot and cut together is fucking perfection. It is perfection. It's one of the best cinema, cinema, cinematography... I can't say it. It's the one of the best cinema. I'll say that. It's yeah. One of the best cinema moments I've ever seen on screen in my entire life. Yeah. And I wait to watch that movie to just for that part. Yeah. Now people say you know all the thing with Hugh McGregor and the whole, you know, with her and the singing and the montage on top of the elephant and everything. Like that. Fantastic. Yeah. I get it. Nothing. Can, I, I've seen plays. Everything. Everything I've ever seen. Nothing. Can compare to that scene. Yeah. Nothing. There is just... It's it, unbelievable. It's perfection. Yeah. And the next closest thing is the end of the movie. <clears throat> yeah. Like, as he, they're singing the song to each other. Like, like, the way it ends and, like, like him telling her off and she starts singing the song and he realizes... It, like, it, that's beautiful. Like, I mean, I, I'll start rolling tears right now thinking about it. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that, that's just the... But the Tango de Roxanne, like, that is just... A masterpiece of a moment in, in cinematic history. It is. It's just undeniable. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's that good. Yeah. Man, that good. Huh. Yeah. I mean, how do you. I mean, it just. I remember watching that for the first time, and I, I was like, I just can't believe what I'm watching. Do you know what I mean? And then I told yeah. you about it, and you came over, and we watched yeah. it together. Yeah, I think I came over as you finished it, and you're like, you need to watch this movie with me. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm not fucking watching How this. weird is that? Well, I mean, like, you know, it's not a movie that, I, you know, it's right. not like science fiction. It's not up our ballpark. No. And not up your ballpark. No, not at sure. all. No. But you were, like, so sure of it. I was. I was absolutely like, positive. It was one of those rare occasions where you're like, I'm going to twist your arm and force you to watch. If you don't want to watch this movie, you can fucking go. <laughs> but the beer stays. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'll sit and watch this. And, and I mean, like, I like, it's a weird thing to say. Because that came out and not, like, I mean, like, I like Ewan McGregor. I think at this point we had already seen him as Obi-Wan in the first movie. 
But I think that's where I fell in love with Ewan McGregor. Yeah, yeah. Like, that movie was like, oh, shit. Like, I'd seen him in Train Spotting, and I'd seen him in a couple other things, and, he, you know, he was Obi-Wan Kenobi in that first movie. And I thought, yeah, yeah, he's, he's cool. I dig him. But, I mean, I think that was the movie where I was like, I will watch anything this man does. <laughs> it was just so fantastic. It was. And, I mean, but, I mean, it also, it, it was like, Like, because of, because of Moulin Rouge, I went back and watched Simply Ballroom. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I, I had seen um, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Like, his version of Romeo and Juliet, I had seen that. And I thought, that was really, really well done. It was a, like, and I, I, like, I didn't know who Baz Lowerman was, though. Uh-huh. Like, it, it, like, his name didn't click. I just thought, somebody had a great idea of telling this as a modern gangster tale in yeah, a way yeah. you know it's not quite Romeo must die but it's like you know right it, it, this is still like if you're you're telling the William Shakespeare story using Shakespeare's dialogue but doing it in a way in a modern setting that's a fantastic idea I applaud you yeah yeah that's thinking outside the box you yeah, know? yeah but like it wasn't until Moulin Rouge where I was like who the fuck's this Baz Lowerman guy yeah right He's got. He did Romeo and I gotta watch the ballroom movie. Fuck it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But like he. That's how he. Like I was so convinced that it was willing to watch simply ballroom, because of those two movies. Right. Right. Like, and I wouldn't watch a movie about ballroom dancing. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's so far outside of what I would like consider. Normal. For yeah. You. Yeah. Your normal watching. Yeah, but like, it, but he. His, his him as a director was so interesting. Like I thought, well, I have to see this, right? Because I've done that. Like at that point, I was at that point. Like I was doing it with Ridley Scott. Like I, th- excuse me, Thelma and Louise is not a movie I would watch, right? But I've watched it multiple times because it's directed by Ridley Scott, right? And I'm watching it, like, going, like, oh, I can see how he did this, or why he framed this, or the lighting. Like, because it's a Ridley Scott movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. But because it was directed by Ridley Scott, it made me willing to go back and watch that. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what great directors do. Like, I will watch a movie by a director I have nothing but the utmost respect for that's not in my wheelhouse because they directed it. Right, right. That's the weird thing. But, like... Most of the directors I like, like, they have a wheelhouse. Yeah. Ridley Scott really doesn't. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, he makes all sorts of types of movies, but he but he wants to do, he wants to visually tell a story. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, a movie like Thelma and Louise, which isn't, like, alien, it's not like Blade Runner, it's not like anything else he had done, you know, okay, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. All right, so um, one 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 last bit of news as we we, we hop off the Baz Lowerman bandwagon. Right. Yeah. Um, apparently it was announced uh, last week that Marvel is going to have a very big presence at uh, Comic Con this year. Okay. Which I mean, first off, this is to be the first time in a couple of years that people are actually go to Comic Con. Right. The last two years has been virtual and it's been garbage. Right. 
Uh, this year they're they're doing it where you know you'll actually have a Comic Con again in San Diego, uh, which is exciting news. Um, but Mar so Marvel announced they're going to have a presence there. Nothing about Star Wars. Um, apparently, DC Entertainment not doing anything at, at Comic Con. Mm. Um, probably because nobody wants to like talk about the Flash. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. Like, like, uh, we we can't. Ezra Miller's an embarrassment. <laughs> we can't show our faces. Um, plus, I think like with the with the Warner Discovery merger, I think a lot of that shit is still up in the air with what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Like I think like I feel like the, when Discovery bought you know, like Warner Time Warner, it was like one of those deals where they were like, "What the." fuck? fuck is going on over here like this makes no sense right you know so like i'm very intrigued to see like like over the next five years what like new ownership does with that property right like you've got certain things you've got in the pipeline you've got to release including you know they're, they're still committed to putting it out in a theater but i could see at some point just being like quietly placed on like uh like HBO Plus is you know the Flash movie, like I, as more and more shit comes out about Ezra Miller, they've got to be like, what the fuck do we do? Yeah, you know, we are fucked. It sucks too because I liked him as a Flash. Yeah. So, you've got that conundrum, um, but I find I just I find it interesting like that Marvel is is going to be showing out at. Comic Con, yeah. And I think they need to. Like, I think like it's a weird thing to say, but like, I I feel like you know, with, with this being a return to normalcy, yeah, and Comic Con being one of those big returns to normalcy, um, you need a big pop, you need a big presence, and Comic Con is that or um, Marvel. Is that big presence. Right, right. Like when you think of like over the past 10, 20 years, some of the big moments in Comic Con history, like the first time the Avengers assembled was at Comic Con. Right. You know, like the first time we saw the lineup together, you're like, oh, wow, there they are. That, that these, you know, yeah, yeah. it's shit like that that you're like, okay, like here we go. And um, I mean, even like Hiddleston came out in full costume as Loki. At that Comic Con and everything, like so, it's it's stuff like that that you kind of remember, like major moments. Even like uh, when they announced Thor: Love and Thunder a couple years ago, you know, Natalie Portman came out holding Mjolnir. Yeah, you know, and that was like a big moment. Like you're like, oh shit, they're doing Jane Foster Thor. That's fucking awesome. You know, what I mean, so it was stuff like that that you were like. You remember, and it's Marvel that kind of pushed those those moments. Sure. Um, so I think, like, for this return to like a, a regular con, having Marvel be front and center is a huge deal. Like, all eyes will be on Comic Con again, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. Where it could have flown under the radar, right? Like, in all honesty, it kind of was until I heard about this Marvel. I didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wasn't sure if they were doing it. Was it still virtual? Like, you know, 
with some of these COVID flare-ups and, yeah, yeah. and and shit that's going on, I thought, well, is California restricting shit like this still? Like so, like I had no idea. So, like to hear to hear this news was like big to me, and it drew my attention back to San Diego Comic Con. Oh sure. You know, like do you, do you kind of feel the same way? Like this is like a big splash that they need. Oh yeah, I think they need it. Yeah. I think they need something. Yeah. I I feel that. I feel that Comic Con was tanking. Yeah. And I think they need something big to put out there. So yeah. It's kind of exciting that they're going to be there because everyone's going to be like, "What the fuck?" You know? Yeah. What are they going to do now? Yeah, what are they going to announce? Yeah, so I think that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely definitely big news on yeah. that front. Yeah. And I, I think, again, like it, it's just it's that thing of like... I, I, I hate saying it's a return to normalcy, but it kind of is. Like it, it was like one of those things we couldn't do was, was gather together. Right. You know, for something like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and now... As... I'm sure there are people who are like, Well, the pandemic's not over, damn it! Well, I mean, I, I think we're reaching a point where we have to live with COVID like we do with the flu. Now we do. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's never going away. No, it's not going to go away. And it, it also depends... And believe it or not, I think it also depends on the strain. Yeah. You know, I think we're at like that strain of strain effect. Yeah. You know, what strain is out? Is it livable? Right. Can you survive it? Um, like in the beginning, <clears throat> um, that first first strain, and even part of that second strain was that was a bad strain of that. Yeah. That COVID. I mean, if the if the numbers, if it was that transmissible on that first. Yeah. Strain, right? You're looking at black black plague numbers, right? But it wasn't that transmissible. I right. mean, it was transmissible, but it wasn't like, right? You know what I'm saying? As the new ones are, more transmissible, less severe, right? When that first strain was a killer. Yeah, I mean, just an absolute killer. I mean, killer. Right. So I think that's something we have to live with. You know. Yeah. Hopefully, as the strains go on, it gets weaker and weaker. Right. And it becomes the flu. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? Right, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, but, like, it's also, like, to me, the new normal of, like, seeing somebody in a grocery store wearing a mask. Yeah. Like, I'm just... Um, it's just one of those things where, like, I'm... I, I don't question it. Yeah. Why would you? No. I mean, like, fucking Tokyo has been doing it for years. Right. Exactly. Where I think three years ago, if somebody was wearing a mask in the grocery store, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I mean, that, honestly, like, I mean, that would be my honest to God reaction. Now, it's like, okay, I understand. Yeah. You know? And in all honesty, like I said, like, if I feel like I'm sick and I have to go out in public, I'll probably wear a mask now. Yeah. You know, and I and I find that that's, I'm glad it took us a while to get to that point, right? Um, because I mean, there was like these anti-mask people that were just like, well, there still are. I know, but not as bad as it was. Well, I think because it gone because the, the the I I I'm willing to bet if you brought back mask mandates, it would that they would still be there. It's I just know. because they're gone, they're not speaking up about it, right? But like, 
And and they're the type of people who would probably sneeze on you mm. and not think twice about it. Just like, you know. Yeah, right. Whereas, like I'm saying, like with me, three, four years ago, if, if I had a cold or if I was sick, I would go out in public. I mean, I would try to like, I wouldn't try to, you know, stand next to somebody or, but I would go out in public where now I think if I go out in public, I will at least wear a mask as a courtesy. Right. It's funny. I went to, and I didn't mention this earlier, but I did go to Idaho. Yeah. Um, on Monday. <clears throat> this past Monday. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we're sitting there watching the show. Ellie was performing there with her dance company. And uh, sitting there watching the show and, well, getting ready to watch the show. It hadn't started yet. And I was sitting, they have like a little amphitheater there yeah. in Ottawa. And there's like some, there's a couple walls there where you can sit on. Yeah. Outside of the stage, you know, to the side. Right. I was sitting on that wall and there's like, as I got closer to the show time, there was a lot of people starting to sit on the wall because it's shaded on that wall. There's yeah. like four trees right there. Right. And I had all these kids bumping into me and coughing and sneezing. No, and I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm just going to persecute myself and just sit in the sun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, none of them were masked, you know, even though they were, you know, hacking. And I was like, I'll be damned if I get sick at Idaho. Yeah. I mean, like, for me personally, I mean, I work in this shit. Yeah. I work with COVID patients. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if I get something from work, I get it. Yeah. But right. I'll be damned if I get it from fucking some poor-ass theme park. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'll... Yeah. That ain't even right. So... I am not getting sick at Storybook Forest. No. I'll tell you one thing about Ottawa, though. Um, I like Ottawa to the point... It's good for kids. Yeah. And I rode the Tilt-A-Whirl, and I rode some rides with L.A. It was, yeah. was kind of cool. I had but, little dippers there. Yeah, I can't go on that. I'm, I'm too big. Too, too big. Too yeah. big. But um, the... Uh, but I did ride the teacups. And yeah. A couple other rides, and which I thought was cool. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's good for kids. I mean, it's yeah. a relaxing day, especially Splash Lagoon if they get to go to, the, you know, that's really nice for kids. Yeah. Um, but, and there was no lines as usual. Right. And it was a Monday. Yeah. Um, but what I was really taken aback by were the games and the food. Yeah. Like, they wanted like fourteen fifty for a hot dog and fries. Good lordy. And I'm glad, I, thanks to Jamie, like, she packed a huge yeah. picnic thing with coolers. And that's a nice thing about Ottawa is you can still take that in. Yeah. I can still do the Kennywood, too. Yeah, you can. But, I mean, yeah. it's completely worth it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we had a couple sandwiches, some chips, some desserts, drinks, ice cold drinks, you know. Yeah. Um, their souvenir cup at Ottawa yeah. was $34. Holy fuck. And that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. Those are exact numbers. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's crazy talk. That's nuts. That is. I mean, fourteen fifty for hot dogs. Yeah. That's crazy, too. But I mean, like, $34 for a souvenir cup. Yeah. To Idaho. To Idaho. Yeah. I can't even, I, don't, I can't even tell you what Kennywood's was. 
Right. I can I can remember back in the day. I mean, I'm I'm old, but I'm not that old. I mean, I can remember being young and souvenir kits were like eight bucks. You you know what I mean? And you yeah. sell at eight or ten dollars, and you get free drinks all all all. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was a good deal. You yeah, know? it made oh, up yeah. for it. You know. But now, yeah, thirty four dollars. Yeah. For a plastic cup. Yeah. No, That's you. fucking crazy. And the games were outrageous. And that's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, the, the fair the fair style games. I love them. Yeah. I'm hooked. I love that shit. Yeah. I'll give you an example. The basketball game. Yeah. You know. Not as not as long as Kennywood. Good lord. But yeah. It was pretty far out there. Three balls for ten dollars. Holy hell. They had a dart game there. It wasn't darts. It was a balloon game. You threw bean bags at, at balloons. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Three. You got six bean bags for ten dollars. Everything was ten bucks. That's just nuts. It was. I was like, this is crazy. Where you throw the ball in the basket. Yeah. Which I've mastered that game. Yeah. Three balls for ten dollars. Wow. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's nuts. Nuts. I mean, half that would still be going, wow, that's nuts. Yeah, but I mean, this is like, you know, you know, we're in a inflation bad here. Yeah. And you're charging this much for people? Yeah. Of course, I spent $50 on games. Of course. Yeah. And I dropped a bucket. And, uh, but, uh, I thought it was a little ridiculous. It is. That's ridiculous. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. $34 for a fucking souvenir. And I'll bet the prices is the same at Kennywood. Oh, I'm sure. Because they're owned by the same company. I was like, that's fucking crazy. It is. That's crazy talk. I mean, come on. This isn't Disney. Yeah. It's fucking Kennywood and Idlewild. Idlewild. And Idlewild is like the worst. I mean, it's not the worst. I, I like Idlewild, but it's not... It's not like a... It's not Kennywood. No. It's not a King's Dominion. It's not Cedar Point. Yeah. You should not be charging $34 for fucking cheap-ass souvenir yeah. cups. <laughs> You're a step away from being Conneaut Lake Park. You're right there. You know. I mean, in all honesty. I mean, you have, like, literally seven rides. Yeah. Seven rides. You got Storybook Forest, and you got, you know, the pool. Yeah. That's what... Like, the, the real draw is the pool. Mm-hmm. Like, before Sandcastle existed, that's what people went to Idlewild for, was the fucking pool. Correct. Crazy. Crazy prices. Yeah. I was like, it's absurd that you're charging this much for people. Yeah. It's almost like, I almost consider it price gouging. Yeah. I was like, that's nuts. Yeah. Nuts. It is. Anyway. All right. My rant. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. Well. Let's wrap this up. Uh, anything you like to add in the proceedings there, sir? No, man, I'm good. All right, well, remember, there are a number of different ways you can reach out and touch us. Hey. I guess that's an email like Thad does, and that email address is pittsburghnerd at yahoo.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd Podcast. We're very, very easy to find. And we are a member of a number of podcasting networks. You can find us on the Tangent Bound Network, the Weeby Geeks Network, and the Pod Breed Network. 
Uh, just give them a Google search. You'll find all the other great podcasts they have to offer. And lastly, as always, I want to thank you, dear listener, for checking us out each and every week. I can't thank you enough for your support. It means so much to us. It does. And on that note, the dreamer has awakened. Peace. <laughs>